The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you for that introduction, Dean Porcella. Powerful worship this morning, wasn't that? It was good, good stuff, good stuff. Yes, I, I have uh, been cooking more with my husband lately, who says he can only boil water, but he's been doing pretty well with recipes. So that's been going great. Um, so I want to share about a few things today, but I want to start off with a verse from Isaiah 5410. Um, and it reads as follows. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. And that's something we need to remember, is we need that, that anchor in hope when things are, are challenging or when we're facing trials and tribulation. And these days, there's a lot to feel disoriented about or feel out of sorts. And I think a lot of us are experiencing that on different levels. Um, I was reading about a study that was recently done in the spring of this year by the American Council on Education. And they were talking about some of the concerns that college presidents are having. And there were about 20 different metrics. But in the top 25%, the five key concerns were as follows. 73% of college presidents were concerned about the mental and emotional health of their students. 73%. So look around you, look around in this room. If you think you're the only one experiencing anxiety or depression or other things, think about that again. One of the other ones was enrollment issues. The third highest, believe it or not, 48% of college presidents were concerned about the mental health and emotional health of their faculty and staff. So it's not just students. It's, it's all of us in the community that we need to be aware of this. The fourth, which is a big one and is not easy to talk about, but we're faced with it every day. 40% of college presidents were really concerned about racial equity issues. And that's significant, because God calls us to, be, to live in biblical community with one another. And he calls us to buy the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and do not sell it. So what happens when we believe the lie? When we believe lies about who we are, about our identity in Christ? You know, when I think about truth, spiritual truth, biblical truth, relevant to equity and racial equity, we have this continuum, right? So what happens when you have people who are lighter skinned on one end of the continuum believing that because of having lighter skin, there is a superiority? Or on the other end of the spectrum, that people with darker skin believe, well, if I have darker skin, I must be inferior. What can often happen 
especially within the body of Christ, is that the person with lighter skin says, well, I'm superior, I can only teach, I can only give and impart to others who don't look like me. And for people with darker skin, if they believe that lie, there's that belief of, I can't offer something to someone else, if I, even if I do offer it, and it could be gold that God put into that person to share with the body of Christ, well, they're not gonna receive it from me, so why share it, why try? And who loses within the body of Christ when that happens? All of us, all of us lose in that space. So how do we see ourselves in the way that God sees us? And how do we navigate some of the, what I like to call in term cultural dysphoria that we're experiencing, right? Tomorrow marks 20 years, the 20 year anniversary of 911. So think about that. Like you have all grown up in a very different space and time where perceptions of threat and safety are very different from school shootings to really acrimonious political extremes, um, tension and conflict within our families over a mask. Like, whatever happened to what Paul said? Um, he said, if it's gonna cause my brother or sister to stumble, who is a vegetarian, okay, I'll be a vegetarian for a day. What does it look like? What does God's love require of us in some of the things that we face in our day and time? And how do we step into that with courage? I love the Greek word for, um, that helps to remind us to be encouraged, enthusiasm, which comes from the Greek, antheos, which means God is within us. How do we remember and remind ourselves of the power we have in Christ, that God is at work in us and through us? And how do we go to scripture to, like, to look for the truth? If, how can you buy the truth if, you don't, if you're not looking at it? If the truth is in God's scripture, in his word, and he directs our steps, we need to be looking to him for guidance. So, um, Ecclesiastes 1.9 tells us there's nothing new under the sun. And I wanted to take a minute to talk about anxiety. Um, I think because of this, because of COVID and how difficult the last year has been, I think it's especially hard for freshmen coming into a community and being in a space like this after being home for a year and a half and having to engage and like, communicate and you know all of the excitement of some of the um, freshman orientation events it's exciting and but for some people it was a little bit scary and overwhelming so how do you, holding space for that that we're all different that God knit us uniquely within the body of Christ and also having compassion and sensitive sensitivity for others who may have a different experience than us um, you know, euphoria is defined as an extreme state of happiness, whereas dysphoria is defined as a profound sense of unease or dissatisfaction with, with life. Uh, and some of us are experiencing that to different degrees. 
Um, so while dysphoria, it's not a mental health diagnosis on its own, but its symptoms are associated with a wide variety of mental illnesses such as stress, anxiety, depression, and substance use. So there's this cultural, relational, and spiritual dysphoria of who am I, where do I belong, what am I doing here, <laughs> right? Have any of you asked yourselves, what am I doing here? And, and a lot of like what contributes to stability and security and safety for us is what I call the five R's, relationships, rules, routines, responsibilities, and roles. At home, you know what those are. You had a particular role in your home, and then when you come to a different environment, all of that changes. And there's a process of getting acclimated. What, is my, what are my responsibilities as a student? What is my responsibility and role within this community? And how do I engage that? And give myself space and time to adjust versus asking what's wrong with me? Why am I struggling? Um, all of this, this cultural dysphoria can, can contribute to a thwarted sense of belonging. And again, how do we go back to scripture and remember that God says we are accepted in the beloved? that we are the apple of his eye, that nothing can separate us from his love. And so when we are struggling, how can we look beyond, look within and also look beyond and connect with other people and see where can I be possibly a help to someone else who might be going through some of the same things I'm going through? Because we know we have an enemy that seeks to divide. And what happens when we feel divided? We start to feel very isolated. And without that support from caring individuals in our lives, we can get into a rigid place. And we just think it's got to be this, this way or the other way. And we, we lose our flexibility. We get into survival brain instead of a learning brain where we have flexibility and curiosity um, and our Self-aware, right? And it's important to be aware of, huh, here's how that experience affected me. And God, what are you telling me about myself and about my relationship with you and others as a result of what I just experienced? Um, I think it's, it's so important that we be anchored, our hope be anchored in Christ, that is what helps us get through. And to remember that we are, each and every one of us are flawed and of immense value to God. And holding all of those things together is, is key. You know, I think often of Elijah, who had amazing gifts and talents um, as a prophet and speaker of, on God's behalf. And he also struggled he struggled um, with isolation and per feeling persecuted and feeling alone and isolated. And yet, God had such compassion, tender care and compassion for him. You know, when he told God, that's it, I'm done. I don't want to live anymore. God had him rest. He had him eat. And re he restored him. And I think we need to rem remember that. 
Because we can be really harsh with ourselves sometimes and harsh with others. So what does that loving compassion look like in community with one another? Um, it's funny, the name of the counseling center is Oasis, which I love because Oasis is defined as a fertile spot in a desert where water is found. And I wonder, in your rhythms of rest and work, where do you build in moments of oasis in your experience? Um, I wanted to read one other passage um, before we end our time together today. Um, and, I, and I love the symbol of an anchor because it's been utilized for Christ, by Christians for centuries because it represents safety, security, stability, and strength, even in turbulent times. It helps us to remember that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we need to remember the promises of God to us. So I want to read through Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. And it talks about the certainty of God's promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and all and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs, God desired to show us, as heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it himself with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. So if we want to buy the truth, we need to be listening and talking to God and receiving his word. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, that anchor. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How often are we reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ and who we are because of him? I, I love the, you know, I think about what true humility looks like. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we think that means you have to think of yourself as a worm because um, we don't want to become arrogant. But true humility is not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to or more lowly than we ought to, it's agreeing with God about who he says we are. So we need to know who he says we are. And we need to encourage one another in the Lord in that. So with that, I'd like to close in prayer, and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come before the students and just share what you have put in me to share. I thank you, Lord, for the power in your word. I thank you for that dunamis power 
your creative power at work in each and every one of us. Remind each individual in this community of who they are and whose they are, and to walk in the love and power that you died that we may experience and live in. In Jesus' name, amen.